along the Platte and Sweetwater sections of the trails, Robert Munkries uncovered only nine eyewitness accounts and four secondhand reports of substantial Indian attacks. The numerical record thus repudiates a treasured image of the corralled wagon train under relentless assault by feather-bedecked warriors. Additional studies have conclusively proven that emigrants had far more to fear from accidents, epidemics, and lack of sustenance than they ever had to fear from American Indians. Patterns of cooperation, mutually beneficial trade, and acts of personal kindness clearly outnumbered the cases of contentiousness and bloodshed in the two decades before the Civil War. That relatively tranquil pattern would not begin to change until the late 1850s, when many of the tribes found their resources under duress from the massive migration and their sovereignty challenged by new treaty obligations demanded by the federal government. Indian relations with the overlanders worsened with each passing year after 1856. But even in the bleakest of years, incidents of cooperation far outnumbered cases of conflict. No specific contemporary account can convey all the experiences of overlanders during the 30-year cycle of trail use, but a single letter helps later generations understand the prevailing depth of fear about American Indians. Written in 1854 by J.D. Willoughby, a Pennsylvania friend of the John Stewart family, it shed considerable light on public reactions to the so-called lost wagon train episode of the previous year. Willoughby wrote, From the comfort of his eastern home to John Stewart's teenage daughter Agnes, expressing his great relief that the family had safely reached its Oregon destination. Rumors had circulated throughout late 1853 that the entire party had been massacred by Indians, a rumor strengthened by the fact that no Pennsylvania neighbors or family members had received a letter from the group since it passed beyond the Sweetwater River. One Eastern friend, without verification of any kind, had reported that John Stewart and his wife had died while crossing the Great Plains and that the others had been murdered by Shoshones in the Snake River country. A Pittsburgh newspaper had even gone so far as to print the Stewarts' obituaries. Willoughby explained to Agnes the level of grief that the presumed deaths had created. In a fit of unrestrained imagination, he recalled his anguish. I saw, or fancied I saw, the savage foe approach you with the scalping knife and deadly tomahawk. I saw them rush upon you with fiendish rage and terrific shouts. I saw your men fight. They fought long and hard. They fought bravely. They fought for wives, for children, for friends, for life. But they fell, being overpowered by numbers. I saw the Indians rush upon the defenseless women and children. I saw you, Agnes, throw up your arms in defense and cast an imploring look, but youth and beauty received no favor from the savage foe. Your heaving bosom received a wound from which the tide of life soon flowed and left you a lifeless corpse with naught but hoarse winds to sign your funeral requiem. I saw them butcher the women and children, then sack the wagons, drive off your cattle, and leave your mangled bodies to putrefy in the sun or to be eaten by the hungry wolf or ravenous vulture. In a fusion of early 19th century romanticism and the darker imagery used in later dime novels, Willoughby thus conjured up a portrayal of conflict between American Indians and whites that embraced the worst imaginable stereotypes of Indian behavior. Furthermore, his fears echoed the apprehensions of many other Americans and Europeans who dared contemplate a trip to the West or who had friends and relatives living there. No amount of statistics rendered to the contrary could have erased the powerful images from the minds of 19th century whites, and the perceptions remain well ensconced even among 20th century audiences. 
A larger reality that has remained relatively unexplored is that American Indians had more to fear from overlanders than the reverse. Surviving Indian oral traditions about the trail experience are not abundant, but those that do exist closely parallel the ones examined by Joseph Marshall III. This modern Lakota author found that his tribal ancestors regarded the emigrants as a strange lot who valued the wrong concerns in life, were totally unpredictable in their actions, and were seemingly without remorse about the widespread destruction that they brought throughout Indian country. For all their efforts to make whites into friends and allies, the Sioux and other Western tribes discovered that the great majority of these Wasichu, one that takes the fat or greedy, remained strangers at best and enemies at worst. Marshall repeated stories of the old ones, who measured the collective trail experience by its long-term consequences. Rather than viewing it as a heroic enterprise undertaken by intrepid and resourceful pioneers triumphing over all forms of adversity, they saw it by the end of the 19th century.